Welcome to episode number 16 of the Thrash Report for September 22nd, 2020. This is your weekly music commentary podcast where we discuss all things metal and heavy music. As a reminder, this episode is brought to you by Heavy Shirts. These are shirts with attitude. Get their newest design, the Metal Against Racism tee. We are all united. We stand together. We are Metal Against Racism. Order your shirt today at heavy-shirts.com. Use promo code THRASHREPORT for 20% off your order. And uh, I'm Chris, and joining me is Jim. Hey, Jim, how you doing, man? I'm Kurt Loader, and this is MTV News. <laughs> doom, doom, doom. Waiting for Megadeth to kick in, man? Um, how you doing? Uh-huh. Doing well? I don't think anyone under 35 is going to get that one. Yeah, no one's going to get that. <laughs> um, no, I'm doing well. Cool, man. Yeah, we uh, yeah we got we got to hang out a little bit. We actually, uh, um, I actually I hiked over to your neck of the woods and yes. we got to watch uh, the Brian Posehn live stream, Grandpa Metal. That was freaking hilarious. Grandpa Metal. Yes, it was. <laughs> that was pretty- yeah. That was a good time. Had some food and. Watch some metal, listen to some metal, talk to metal. Yeah, good night. Yeah, it was very cool, very cool. Um, those of you that haven't yeah. checked it out, um, Brian Posehn and company. Um, again, Scott Ian was on there. I mean, it was it was a really it was a blast. And he said that yeah. he had a really good time, and they're going to look forward to doing it again. So keep your ears and eyes posted for that. Um, metal and comedy. It, metal and comedy, they go great together, man. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I want to actually just go over really quick. Uh, one of the uh, one, uh, new release that actually dropped last Friday. And I mentioned this in an earlier episode. I was looking forward to it when they released their first single called The Blight. And this is the new release from Heathen. This album, Empire mm-hmm. of the Blind. It's been a whopping 10 years since their last studio release, The Evolution of Chaos. I got to tell you, this album is killer. So please, everybody... After you're done listening to this episode, go to wherever you get your music, right? If you're going on Spotify or Apple Music, um, what is it called now, Jim? YouTube Music, I think. Um, Google Music has turned into YouTube Music. Yeah, YouTube Music. And listen to Empire of the Blind from Heathen. You will not be disappointed. It is so good. They're just so tight. It is. It's awesome. I've listened to it like a dozen times uh, since Friday. Super good. Um, Yeah, I listened to it this weekend, too. And... I can see why you like it. It kind of reminded me. I know you're a huge priest fan, so it kind of reminded me of some priest. Right on, man. Yeah, it's it's good. It's they're just super thrashy. Uh, I'm into them. Uh, I, like I said, I'm a fan. So, uh, and that's Judas Priest, not like the kind. Of <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, so we uh, we have a special guest to this episode, Jim. Yes, I do. Yeah. Well, uh, our guest today. Goes by the name of Ro Coley, and I came across him and a couple of years ago listening to uh, Liquid Metal, and he was interviewed by Jose, and he was promoting his mini guitars. He's got some, well, he's got a many many products, but he was speaking about his Pantera mini guitars, and uh, he works for or owns uh, War Machine Marketing, and so. When I met Jose, I saw his guitars and remembered how cool they sounded. And I seen him in person, like, I got to have these. So he hooked me up with Roe, and I ordered some. I love them. I'm looking at them right now. Chris, you saw them this yeah, weekend. Awesome. 
Yes. So, Ro Coley, how you What's doing? What's going on, guys? Can you guys hear me okay? Awesome. Yeah, just making sure. Just making sure. Yeah. yeah no. This is this is yeah. awesome. Thanks for having me on. I'm, I mean, shit. Just to be on anything yeah. called the Thrash <laughs> Report, I'm like, fuck yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Every day, twice on yeah. Sunday, please. <laughs> Greatest thing ever. So yeah, it's cool, man. I, I, you know what? I actually I was listening to your Sean the Butcher interview, and that was super amazing. He actually uh, rattled off a bunch of new bands that I, I've been wanting to check out, and I just like like just yeah. scrambling to write them all down in my notepad. I was like, oh my god, this and this and this and that. So I'm I'm stoked to get moving on that. So I appreciate you guys, you know, just helping to bring, you know, shit, man. I I don't think I would have heard about like mortality rate or that what was that that rap band he was talking about Griselda. Which I, yeah. I still want to check out, but I was like, dude, I mean, yeah. I, I love the fact that I heard about that here. That's know? awesome. Yeah, we appreciate yeah. that, man. Thanks no, no of course. I, I think it's awesome, man. The interview was great. It was fun. I learned a lot about the butcher, and it, and it's weird. It's like <laughs> I've been in the music industry for a long time, and it's like he's just one of those people that me and him, our paths, if they crossed, it was only for a brief moment, and it's it's always weird to me when sure. I'm like, how do we not know this guy? basically new york for like 20 years and everything i'm like jesus christ but it's all good <laughs> it is all good i'll meet him i'll meet him okay. again one day awesome yeah i hope to too in person yeah, yeah. have you ever have you met jose in person or no i did yep yeah. we took a family vacation to san diego a year ago february oh, cool. and we my wife and i drove up to his uh, steel beach studios cool. and hung out with him yeah we had no idea what to expect but we got there and he's like the best host ever and really is. showed us everything around and hooked me and you up with the guitars nice, and shit. So nice. yeah, yeah, for sure. No, we, I mean that, that place has become, you know, a second and third home for, for like me and my wife and it's just our, our whole group of friends because you know, all the, all the affliction parties and everything. I mean, we've got, there was a, there was a, there was a point where we were there at least once a week for, you know, some nice. band was coming to play whether it was you know, Power Flow or oh, I held the Yeti or somebody, you know, it was, just, it was always somebody there. And it was just kind of like, all right, cool, let's go. Yeah. Rock and roll, you know? <laughs> yeah, and what I loved about it is I walked in there, or like he, we showed up at the same time, he unlocks the door, we walk in, he sets his backpack down and he goes over, flips a few switches, and sudden the sound system comes alive and it's liquid metal. And I'm like, I'm listening to liquid metal at <laughs> Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, did, did he take you upstairs where all the guitars and everything were? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It gave it to her. It's yeah, awesome. So that's always where we do the Dime Bash sort of pre-party each year. So it's just it, it's a it's a super awesome spot. I can't wait till we can all yep. go back there again. So shout no out shit. to Jose, the, the host with the most. Yep. For sure. <laughs> all right. Well, so we're thinking for this episode. I know you've got a ton of metal stories. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, so. I sure do. <laughs> So to get into that, I guess the uh, first question I'd like to ask is, uh, how do you think this interview is going so far? <laughs> uh, I, you know what? I, 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 you know, okay, that's a really funny question and because I think it's fine. I'm, I'm always <laughs> because my wife always has to stop me because I, I, you'll find out very soon. I ramble, I talk a lot. I, I just like I love telling <laughs> stories about all this stuff. So it's a lot of times when I'm doing interviews and such. I, you know, especially if they're in person and she's there, she usually gives me the, uh, you know. The, the swipe across the throat like shut the fuck up shut up you know and i'm like shit all right yeah so uh, that's that's my oh that's always the one big thing that i'm always worried about like shit man i don't want to take up too much time talking it's kind of what i do but so i think it's going great but i'm talking a lot so <laughs> so there we go 
Yeah, that was just being that was just being my typical oh, jackass. Okay. So. <laughs> so, but yes, um, so since you have all these stories, I think maybe if you wouldn't mind just giving us and all the listeners kind of a quick background of sure. how you came up through the business and different things you've done and how you've gotten to know all of these bands and get all these yeah, stories. Sure. I mean, so basically, um, I started out in 90, 1994. Uh, I started a fanzine when I was in college, um, nice. which is a of itself and i mean if you guys really have time for a story that's a funny story how i got into the music industry but um sure. i started working at a i started interning at a place called formula pr which uh did all of the nine inch nails and nothing bands so i was working downward spiral and antichrist superstar it smells like children and you know manson and meet beat manifesto and prick and and all the stuff and uh mm -hmm. while i was doing my zine and uh, right around the corner from there was Roadrunner Records, and I'm, you know, I'm a metalhead. That's what I am. But like, <laughs> I loved all the Nothing bands, um, you know. But it was it was easy for me to just kind of walk around the corner and go to Roadrunner and do interviews for my zine or, or get review copies of CDs. So I constantly was over there. And then uh, cool. and then Formula sort of started moving a little bit to electronica music based, like Daft Punk and and stuff like that. And it wasn't. I mean, not to say it was bad. It was just I was kind of like, oh, it's not really my mm -hmm. speed, you know. And Roadrunner was like I said, right around the corner. So I just went up there, and, and they knew, they all knew me from coming in to do interviews. So uh, I was like, hey, do you guys want an intern? And they're like, oh my god, yes. And so I was like, <laughs> right, cool. So I where I, uh, I interned there for about two years, uh, and then uh, so I was I was working Ozfest '97. I was working BOD oh, and Cold Chamber and Fear Factory and ESI. Nice. God, Very I cool. mean, literally all of those bands from back in that that day. You know, we were doing uh, Shelter was one of the bands we were working. So yeah, so I was I was at Roadrunner, and then I moved to LA um, in '98, and I was working for Corn's uh, management. So I was working with Corn and Ice Cube and Limp Biscuit and Orgy and all those guys, and and then I worked at Andy Gold Management cool. with Rob Zombie and White Zombie and all. Power Man and Monster Magnet. So I've just and then when I moved back to Jersey in 2000, Roadrunner hired me, so I was from 2000 to 2003 i was at roadrunner then i went to century media i went to streetwise street team nice. company and then a warner <laughs> brothers i mean i've literally i've been so all over the place it's like i'm surprised i know where i am right now so um so yeah so that that's kind of <laughs> how I, i've met so many bands was doing my zine and everything like that and then uh ultimately i ended up starting war machine marketing which was supposed to be a street team company uh but then uh I, it kind of happened during the recession, so nobody wanted a street team anymore. So they were like, no, we don't need a street team to hand out business cards, but we need business cards. So I was like, all right, maybe we should make business cards. So uh, <laughs> so what I started doing was uh, started to make merchandise, and the first place I went to was all my friends in the music industry. So I've made stuff in the Food Fighters. I've made stuff for Queens of the Stone Age and the Dixie Chicks and King and Slayer and all sorts of crazy bands. So um so yeah so it's kind of it's just i've just always been sort of enmeshed in the music business in one way shape or form um mm -hmm. and in one way shape or form and uh you know that's that's kind of how i know a lot of bands and everything it's kind of bizarre yeah that's awesome so. yeah so that's, um, that's, that's yeah it's it's just, and it never ends too it's like suddenly like right now we're doing stuff for uh dope for ed soul and dope uh who else and I'm working with a satanic doo-wop band called Twin Temple. Hmm. You know, <laughs> like, I'm just kind of like, okay, like bring it on. Yeah. You know? we, just, we never know what's going to happen when it comes to music, especially right now, you know? So when something new does come out that I'm just kind of like, wow, like who are these guys? I need to know them. You know, I just, I go after it, you know? Yeah. 
Okay. Well, let's uh, get into some of your yeah. stories. And I wanted to start you off with one for people that have listened to episode six of our, or the thrash report. My back in the day album was get some by oh, snot. And I know you're a huge snot fan. And we talked briefly after this and you had mentioned that you have a really cool Lynn straight story. So um, yeah. my kicking off this heavy metal story. Oh, okay, hour. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's start with the, with the, with the late great Lynn straight. Um, that was not intended to rhyme at all, but it really worked out <laughs> really well. Um, no, Lynn, Lynn, a, he was just, he was such a super good guy. I mean, he was like, he just treated everyone like you were part of the band, part of the family. And, uh, you know, and I was just a little shitty zine kid in New Jersey, you know, like, hi, can I, hello, you know, can I interview you? You know, like just some dopey kind of guy, you know, but he just always made me feel at home. Come on on the bus, man, smoke some weed, blah, blah, you know, and he was just, he was always super cool. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, for my zine, I was like, you know, I, I really want to talk to him. So, uh, you know, I, uh, they were on tour with uh, Fishbone and uh, uh, Dub War, and um, and they were playing at a, a Club Chrome in uh, in New Jersey, uh, which I think at that point was still Club A. But anyway, so uh, me and a buddy of mine were interviewing him, and he, like, we were asking. I mean, I, I like to ask not overly personal questions. You know, I don't want to know what your you know shit looked like that you took earlier today than was. You know, like, but I'm like, you know, I try to. Like, hey, you know, you were in jail and, you know, just try to try to lightly touch on sort of heavy topics. You know, I don't want to get into people's faces. And he started just I would I don't want to say unloading because it just puts an extreme sound on it. But he just started talking Mm -hmm. about all this very personal stuff to me while I'm interviewing him. And I was literally looking at my friend like, should he be here right now? Like, I'm not his therapist, but I'm like, this sounds very personal. So he just, he was saying just mm-hmm. all this very deep stuff about, you know, when he was in jail and, and, and just the way he views people and all these things. And uh, I just remember it being just like one of the best interviews ever, just because I was just so, everything he said was so great. And then uh, when I was out on OzFest 2000, I guess fast forward like five, six years, I was on OzFest 2000 and um, somebody gave me a, a, an advanced cassette for something called Straight Up. And, I was, and it was spelled like Lynn Street Flash. And I'm like, oh, what is it? Like, oh, yeah, they did a, they did a, a, a tribute record and everything. And I was like, oh, shit, because I, I had sent a copy of my interview to somebody at the record label when they were looking for stuff, you know, to do for some Lynn tribute. But that was kind of it. And it was kind of like, I put it in the mail. I completely forgot about it. And I was like, oh, right. I remember that thing. Oh, okay. And so I'm. I'm, This would be the straight up compilation. Yeah, the the straight up uh, uh, compilation. So I I was sitting in my bunk because I was out on tour with Soulfly at the time. And I'm sitting in my bunk and I'm like, and, and, and the last song, Sad Air, comes on. And I'm like, man. This sounds so familiar. <laughs> like, like did I read it somewhere? I must have read it. I must have done something with it. And uh, so I call my my girlfriend at the time in New York. I was like, "Hey, can you look at Shots of the System number nine, and and just let me, and just read me the article? Like, just read me the interview." And she's reading it to me, and I'm like, "Holy shit! They they took my piece of the interview at, from my zine and put it on the record." But the huh. problem was. They didn't credit. They didn't know who to credit, so they just threw it up there because it just kind of came in as like kind of like a miscellaneous soundbite kind of thing. And so I was like, "Wait, you guys used my interview?" And I didn't. I didn't get any credit. And it's like, and it's it's a really weird thing when that happened because it was just like, okay, like what do you do? You know, like you want people to know that it, it came from you, 
but it's a tribute album for a, a person who passed away that you really liked, you really admired, and everything. Right. It's like the type of thing where you want to be like, you're going to be hearing from my lawyers, you know, like you don't want to be that guy. That's not the point of this whole thing, you know. But I was trying to sort of let people know that it came from shops in the system from my scene you know and and right. it sucked too because like some people were like oh dude that's awesome like can you send me a copy blah 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 that kind of thing and then other people were like oh look you're just a glory hound and i'm like like no that's <laughs> shit you know so it was just a really weird thing but it's like what they and and you know i i, I know i've known the guys like sunny and mikey and all those guys for years and and they've always been yeah. Mikey especially he's one of our dearest friends uh you know he, he's oh he's he's apologized so many times for that that it's like I just sit there and I go you know what dude <laughs> it is what it is you know I'm not gonna have you recall all the records just so you can put you know interview by Will Coley on that it's ridiculous <laughs> you know but it was just yeah. one of those things though sure. where you know whenever I do listen to it I'm I'm so constantly just amazed I'm always not so much amazed that I made it on the record that's not even the point. I'm, I'm always amazed at how open he was with me, you know, even on, yeah. even on tape. I mean, he was, he was always super cool just when we were hanging out. It was more, it was fascinating to me how much he opened up to me. Like I said, I was, uh, I was nobody special. I said, like, work out. I wasn't ready for Metal Edge or Metal Maniacs or something, you know, I was just a little Jersey Z kid. Mm-hmm. But to have him open up the way he did was just, it really was, it was so tremendous. And, and. And That's during awesome. that time, actually, even even in addendum to that, you know, not that's not that it has anything to do with the zine aspect of it, but it's like I've been a stuff fan forever, as you know. But like when yep. my buddy Tommy Vex started singing for them, like you know, it was incredible. And then Tommy had you know invited me on stage to sing. Um, oh, what's her name? Uh, the girl from the Lunatics, Theo. He had me sing Theo's parts for uh, Mr. Brett in Palm Spring when they played in Palm Spring. Yeah. So I did like. I did the vocals for that. It was just, you know, like stuff like that, where it's like, they just always, I've always been kind of part of the family. And that's always been a really cool thing. And that goes all the way back to Lynn and, and all those guys, you know? And even, even to this Yeah, day, I'm so happy that I got to this. Day, you know, yeah. Mikey will talk to everybody. Sonny is quite possibly one of the nicest people I think I've ever met. You know, Jamie, Jamie yeah. and, and John, everybody's just like that. They're just, they've always just been super cool. Yep, I met Sonny in I don't know if it was late '90s, early 2000s, but it was when he's with um, oh, Amen, yeah. and it was just at a show here in he was Wisconsin. Too nice for that band. Way too nice. What's that? Too nice for that band. Casey Chaos was so angry. <laughs> Everybody that band was so angry, and I was like, I'm like, Sonny, you're not that. Angry. Come on, man. You're really <laughs> when he when he played for Head PE. That's when I was like, okay, Sonny is goofy. That's for sure. So it always looked like you had such a great time when you played Head PE. But I was like, but with Amen, I was like, I, I was like, I know you got that in you, but like, that's so not you, you know. <laughs> it's like hearing, it's yeah. like hearing like your your very proper and you know sweet grandmother like suddenly just you know throwing you know f bombs everywhere. You'd be like, grandma, that's not really you. <laughs> you know, you don't have to hang like that. It's fine. Yeah. So I'm happy that I got the good fortune to see Snot twice in their short uh, career. Uh, I think, but. Just, I mean, Lynn was just amazing. One of the best frontmen I've ever seen, and you know, he was just barely getting started. Yeah. Um, actually, there's, a, I think it's on YouTube, but there's a show that I was at um, at Coney Island High in New York in '96, I think '97. I remember. But uh, if you guys, if you, your listeners, whatever, if you guys get a chance, it, the stage was the tiniest stage you can imagine, but watching them just rip that place up was so awesome. <laughs> 
That's still one of the best shows ever. That and actually, nice. speaking of snob, one last snob thing, and then, then we'll get off the snob issue. Um, I was there <laughs> when they played a CMJ showcase, this CMJ convention in New York, and it was the most insane lineup. It was like nothing face, Shooty's Groove, um, Dub War, Snot, uh, System of a Down's first uh, New York show. Um, cool. Shit, I'm missing a band or two in there somewhere. And it was just, I mean, I think it ended at like two or three in the morning. But it was like the most insane show ever. We had never seen System of a Down before, um, so just we, we everybody was just there, like just mouths dropped. But Snot just fucking crushed the place. It was just such a easily one of my top ten shows I've ever seen in my life was that show. And, uh, and yeah, awesome. if you if you missed them, it's a super <laughs> bummer. But man, they were that was that was lightning a bottle, man. Yeah. But that's that's what that's the end of my Snot right. stories. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I know you've mentioned you've got well, was it Ozpest two thousand stories uh, that, or um, basically anything free for all right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna lay out the Ozfest timeline. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and for all you guys, everybody who's listening, I hope this isn't boring. It was just the most insane time. So remember, I had um, I had sent them a proposal to take over the street team because I was like, the street team's not doing anything. Blah, blah, blah. And they said, great, you're the guy to do it. I said, awesome. And they go, we're throwing you back on Ospress 2000. I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> so I had never, I mean, I'd been on a zillion tour buses. I'd never been on a moving tour bus. Right. You know, I'd yeah. never gone to another city on a tour bus whatsoever. So it was, it was just so crazy. I just got launched into this, I don't want to say into this nightmare. It was just into chaos. Yeah. So, so the first couple of days were, um, you know, were, were pretty standard, you know, because you don't really realize that you're on tour until you're about like a week in, you know, because then once once you suddenly mm-hmm. realize you're like, I'm still doing this, you know, like, because seriously, like wherever you guys are, right? How many? What's the most times you've ever seen a band in a row, like on the same tour? Yeah. Uh, just once. once. <laughs> Okay. Yeah. yeah, like I've never followed a band right, around. Right. See, now, in, in Jersey, we could do Philly, New Jersey, New York, even Connecticut, yeah, sure. into Boston if you have, like, a five-day, four-day weekend, that kind of thing. Yeah, right? I, I've done two. I've done two. I've done Maiden, like, here and in Chicago. <laughs> okay, right, right, exactly. Now, imagine, you know, imagine date number eight. <laughs> yeah, at some point you're gonna be like okay like wait what is happening right now because now right. weird. I, haven't, I haven't slept in my own bed in god knows how long and every day is hot and there's a million people and what is happening so so the first couple of days were, were kind of just it felt like just like a field trip in a way you know because i was starting getting my legs and everything but we got to syracuse okay here's where story number one is we got to syracuse and the promoter told our bands that uh, that there's a tendency for the crowd to riot and take all the merch. <laughs> so they were hiring additional security at the band's expense. So obviously oh, the band were like, oh, fuck, dude, really? Get the hell out of here. <laughs> and then we saw who they brought in. Literally geriatrics <laughs> and teenagers. That was the additional security. <laughs> I have a picture of me next to this guy. What the hell is his name? Damn it, I wish I could remember. Archibald. <laughs> his name was Archibald. <laughs> if that's not an old guy name, I don't know what it is. Um, but it's, there's a picture of me sitting next to him, and he's got, he looks like he's just slumped over on a bench wearing a security ship shirt. And I'm just like, still like pointing at him like, ah, ah, look at this. This is our security. This is the guy who's supposed to prevent the riot. 
you know? <laughs> so, so that was that was a weird thing. I was just like, all right, this is just silly. So we get to we get to like Boston, and uh, uh, Boston is where I got sick. I, I smoked a joint with somebody I didn't know from an area I didn't know, and all of a sudden I smoke it, and then he just started doing that like crazy smokers hacking cough, and I was just like, oh crap. And I just I felt that tickle in my throat, and I was like, shit, that's it, man, I'm, I'm done. So I'm on this, like, crazy night full of haze uh, for, like, the next, like, God knows, like four days or something like that. Because, um, seriously, when you're when you're on tour, it's like, you don't really get good sleep, and you're not getting great food, and you're, you know, so it's like, it's not ideal getting better conditions, you know? Um, and you still have to work. That's the other thing. So, so... Um, so we get to, I guess it was either Rochester or Buffalo. It was one of the two. Oh, no, it was Rochester. So we get to Rochester, and we had a, uh, a, a guitar tech named Rat. Uh, great dude, one of our friends. We love that guy. Um, but he, he, he was waiting for his driver's license, like a brand-new license, to come in the mail from California. So we mm-hmm. couldn't get into Canada, not Montreal and the Quebec ships. So they were like, okay, um, we need to clean the bus. Um, and give Rat all of your weed, all of your pipes and everything. We're going to clean the bus and make sure it's completely spotless. Um, no porn. You can't bring porn. You can't bring weed into Canada. So I was, and they're like, don't even worry about it. There's plenty of weed in Canada. Don't worry about it. Like, don't even risk it. It's not even worth it. Okay, cool. So we gave all of our shit to Rat, and we start going into Canada. So now normally... You go, you wait in the in the little customs office, you show them your ID, they look at you, they look at okay, great, go in the country, you got you know, do what you gotta do. So I go in and like I said, I'm, I'm like in my slippers and like pajamas, uh, you know, and I'm just like shuffle <laughs> over, shuffle over to the customs office, draw my ready and for I a come show. back out and I'm about to go in and I go into the bus, um, to drop you know, put my ID back in my wallet and, and just grab a drink. And so I come shuffling back out and I'm just kind of waiting around for I don't 30, 40 minutes, whatever, just boring. And so I'm like, fuck it, I'm going to go back to the bus. And I start walking back to the bus, and there's a customs agent there. He goes, hey, are you in the crew? And I'm like, yes. And and he goes, hey, come over here. Okay. So I go shuffle over there, and all of the guys in the crew are, in our crew bus, are, are standing together. And it's like, you know, the lighting guy, and the, and the techs, and the, and, and the sound guy, and all these kinds of people. And they're like, okay, so just so you know, we found some weed on your bus. And we're all like, wait, what? What are you talking about? And so we're all looking at each other because we're, we, we were like, yeah, we know not to come into Canada with anything. And so he goes, yeah, we found this. And he holds up like this metal canister. And you know those label makers, you know, the ones that just make the little labels that come out of the side, like the, the brother labels? Mm-hmm. It's like property of Ned Flanders. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Except this one just said, rat and we were like <laughs> you've got to be fucking kidding me so we're like dude we fired that guy you know we were making up all the stuff he had a drug problem and, blah. and they were like you know what we don't care right now everything you own on that bus including that bus is property of the canadian government and uh you are going to be subjected to a full body cavity search and if we find anything else you will be put in a canadian prison for a minimum of seven years Oh Jesus! And I'm oh, sitting man. there, like I said, they, they, going. Uh, does this happen all the time? You guys come to Canada? And the look of sheer panic on everybody's face is me going, "Oh shit! Like this is not something that happens all the time." And so they shuffle <laughs> us into a holding cell, 
It's got one door with one of those tiny little square windows uh, with the grid, you know, the, the metal grid on it, you know. Um, and it's mm-hmm. just us waiting there for six hours, I think it was. It was like, it, it was like five or six hours. We were just sitting there. And we're just like, dude, we're going to kill him. We're going to kill him. We're going to kill Rat. When we see that motherfucker, <laughs> we are going to kill that guy. And so this canister they found that said red on it, was this like the thing he put that he took from everybody? No, 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 no. Get rid of it? get back to that. I'll get to that in a second. <laughs> so, so, um, and what do they do just to fuck with us, these Canadian people? You know, that, that everybody who says they're nice, I don't, I don't know about that. After <laughs> so what they kept doing was they would have a bunch, like cops would just pass by, look into the room, look at each other, and just like shake their heads like, <laughs> tisk tisk, you know, and then we would hear people snapping rubber gloves on, like, whack, you know, like Cav- cavity like, search. We're just like, oh my god, and I'm sitting here like, I, I, like, I don't. Like, what am I gonna tell Roadrunner? What am I gonna tell my parents? Like, I was just so like out of my mind. But all I kept thinking of was like, man, I can't wait to go to sleep because <laughs> I just want to go to sleep. And uh, so finally, they come out, they let us out, and they go. Okay, let me see all of your IDs. And so everyone's scrambling for to give them their IDs. And I'm like, uh, my ID's on the bus. And they're like, go get it. Okay. So I was like, well, if they're letting me back on my bus to get the ID. I was like, I think everything's going to be okay. You know? <laughs> I have a feeling. Because here's the thing is that, number one, they said they were going to bring the dogs on. And that's when you start to freak <laughs> out because that's when you're like, well, what if there's like some roach at the bottom of my bag? You know, like whatever, you know, like something I don't even realize is there or some nugget that's just, you know, creviced in a corner of a seat somewhere. Like, I don't fucking know. I mean, we cleaned it, but it's not like we, you know, we didn't detail the damn bus, you know. So I'm like, you know, I'm like, OK, I, I think everything's going to be OK. So I go back and I hand the Mountie, the customs guy, uh, my ID and he's holding all of our ideas, IDs, excuse me, almost like uh, pick a card, you know, any card kind of thing, you know. And he looks at the ideas, IDs, and he looks at the IDs, and then he looks at, at us, and he goes, "Play your fucking shows and get the fuck out of my country!" And he just throws <laughs> them at us, and, we're, and so we're just like scrambling, like, "Yes, sir, no problem!" And we just run back in, and we just get on the bus, and we just all sat there for like a good like hour, just like staring at each other, like not knowing what to say about anything. <laughs> and it was like, you know, after that, it's like, after that, it was just, you know, I was, like I said, I was sick the whole time, but, um, I couldn't bring any of my promotional items, um, into Canada or else we would get taxed. So I actually had nothing to do. I had no work that I could really do at the time. So luckily I, I was able to just kind of, you know, start to get better, but dude, we got so much weed. We got so much free weed in Canada. It was so <laughs> stupid. It was like, it was insane. Well, not only that, it was like, it was Montreal. It was like smoke shop, strip club, lingerie shop, smoke shop. You know, and I'm like, okay, but they don't want us bringing porn in here, but they're going to overload us with all of this craziness. I'm like, all right, whatever. But like, we tried to smoke as much as we could of that weed. And they were just like, but we were God, it was so strong. It was so insanely strong. So we, we, um, we throw it out the window, much to everybody's sadness, you know, and I'm like, okay, well, we had such a hard time getting in, like, what's going to happen when we try to get out? And they're like, no, no, just give the, give your ID to the, uh, uh, to the bus driver. I'm like, okay, and then what? And they're like, that's it. 
I'm like, what do you mean that's it? Like, we came in, we had to do all of that. And they're like, nah. Like, and so literally, we slept through the border. And we got back in. I was like, what? <laughs> I'm like, now I almost feel like everything we went through, like, just to not have anything at the end, at the other side of it. I was like, and they're like, yeah, they don't give a fuck what you bring into America. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's good point, I guess. <laughs> so we get back to Buffalo, and we see Rat, and we want to murder him. We are just like, motherfucker! He's like, what, what, what? And we're like, we tell him the story. And he goes, oh, that's where my canister went. <laughs> and so what we realized was that he had like a drawstring backpack and he put the canister at the top. And so when he cinched it and he picked up his bag, it just flopped out onto his pillow. So they didn't even have to look for it. It was literally like sitting there like an after dinner mint. You know, it's just <laughs> sitting on his pillow. It just says rat. And all they had to do was pick it up open it and smell it and that was it and he goes but that then he was like he was like oh well only all it had was a couple of seeds and stems it was pretty much empty so that's why they, let us go <laughs> because they were like well there's nothing really in here we can do with this you know and so but he felt so bad that like i think it was at the next one of the next uh, rest stops we stopped at he bought everybody these like you know like those jars they sell at uh like stoners at stoner like uh smoke shops where it's like inspiration, yeah. you know, but it was like these like weed jars and he like gave it to each other, like <laughs> filled it with weed and everything. And then even when I see him now, it's really funny. The last time we saw him, I mean, it was a good couple of years ago, but uh, he was like, yo man, here, like, it's almost like he always still has to give me weed whenever he sees me. Like, it's like, it's like permanent penance. Like, yo, dude, I'm so sorry. I'm like, dude, that was like 18 years ago. No, no, just take it. Take it. I gotta you know, rest my own conscience. You know, so yeah, so that was that was our Canadian story where I was just kind of like, what the fuck was that all about? Oh, sorry, I gotta backtrack to one other story. So when we were in Rochester, yeah, I went. Uh, there was nothing to do. This was this really the internet was brand new, so it's like you you just didn't have anything to do. You're just sitting there stuck, and it was like downtown Rochester, so it's all like uh, financial district shit. And and I'm a big toy guy. Like I love collecting yep. action figures, toys. We make custom action figures. If any of your listeners want a custom action figure of them or a custom Funko Pop of them, we make it. Um, nice. So so Very everywhere cool. we went, I would always try to find the, the local mall. You know, find Katie toys. You know, just find shit around yep. the country and you know cool rare stuff. And then I, I turn around and I sell it or I collect it. And so I was like, all right, there's got to be something here. So I walked to this mall. And uh, now, mind you, I only had a few tattoos at the time. All right? I'm, I'm like, you know, my arms are covered, like, all the way down to the fingers, you know. But, like, back then, I had, like, a half sleeve on my left arm and a couple random ones on my upper right arm. Uh, mm-hmm. I think I might have had some some stuff on my legs, but nothing crazy, right? And so I walk in, and I swear to you, this is true. This is a true story. Anybody who wants to call bullshit, feel free. This is a true motherfucking story. <laughs> Um, oh God, this is why I was asking if, if we could swear. Don't bullshit. Don't bullshit me. <laughs> okay. No, no bullshit. No bullshit, Dylan. Um, no, uh, so, so I go into this mall and I'm looking for a KB toys and security guard, this black dude comes up to me and he goes, yo man, I like your tattoos. I'm like, okay, cool. Thanks man. And he's like, yeah, let me show you the ones that I got when I was in prison. And I was like, okay, this is already <laughs> going in the wrong direction for me. And uh, every tattoo this guy had, God, I feel like this is an episode of The Boys. Every tattoo this guy had was something getting fucked in the ass. <laughs> okay? He had a tattoo of Jesus on the cross on his rib cage. He's like lifting up his security, like police, you know, rent a cop shirt <laughs> to show me this stuff. And it's it's Jesus on a cross getting ass fucked by Satan. 
And I'm like, oh, Jesus. what the hell? The other, his arms both had, his, his arms what? both had chicks getting fucked in the ass by people. Like, I was just sitting there like, uh, yeah, gotta go. And he was like, yo, man, I hope you come back real soon. And I'm like, not if I can help it. But I was just like, okay, that is the most random thing. Uh, and I, after that point, too, because I wasn't carrying, I used, usually carried my camera around with me to take pictures of the street team shit, but it was only like the mm-hmm. second day on the tour, second or third day on the tour, so I wasn't really used to, to keeping it on me. And I was just like, from this point on, I'm keeping my fucking camera on me every time. Like, I was like, I have no photographic evidence of this, but it is absolutely <laughs> scarred in my head, like a fucking brain lesion. And it is, it is I just remember, I was just like, Wow, what the fuck? Like, like I haven't even started this tour. It's already just ridiculous. So, okay, so after the Buffalo thing, we drive. Yeah, and and well, think of that guy getting the tattoos, and he's in prison too. He's like, hey, anybody here know how to do yeah, tattoos? Yeah, totally. I know how to do one. It's like it's like, it's like that one thing where it's like you know when you go to the barber and they're like you know I want to I want to know what it's like to be SpongeBob and they're like no worries, fam. And like next thing you know, it's a kid with a pineapple shaved in his head you know it was that kind of thing it was like i want to you know tattoo about something that i'm dealing with in real life no problem fam i got you bust out the ballpoint and pen ink and just start tapping away oh god it was so ridiculous nice so uh so after that we so the first quarter of Ozfest 2000 was shitty horrible weather like if it wasn't overcast it was raining in virginia uh there was a lightning storm during pantera so they had to stop that set early people were just like and the rain was freezing, like freezing. So you have people who are moshing all day, and then suddenly it's just downpouring, and they're just you know wearing shorts and no shirt or whatever. You know, they're just like you just saw people freezing everywhere, huddling, huddling wherever they could for warmth. So once we once we left like the Midwest, um, oh sorry, uh, once we got to Cincinnati, so I started taking pictures of people with soulfly tattoos. You know, the the soulfly shield. Yep. Because I was like, oh, this could actually be a really cool thing we might do online or whatever. Like, you know, t- soulfly tattoos around the country. Holy shit, dude. I don't know what is in the water in Cincinnati. But, <laughs> um, dude, don't try to do a tattoo on your back yourself freehand. That's all I'm going to oh say. Oh, my God. Dude, I will dig these pictures out. Some of them are in my Ausfest, in my, in my pictures, in, in my storage unit. But I was like, dude, it literally looked like this guy was trying to tattoo himself. On, and it was a huge back piece. I mean, this thing took up this whole back. But you would, I swear it was like somebody with, I don't know, I, I would think somebody legally blind tattooed this guy. <laughs> like, it was so disproportionate. And he was so like, yeah, check it out. And I was like, oh, I am. Click, you know. <laughs> so um, I've never seen it myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally, right? Just got done yesterday. I'm like, mm, okay, no, no regrets, right? That kind of thing. You yeah. know? So, uh, so, yeah, so after that, um, then suddenly we got to Little Rock, Arkansas, and uh, I woke up and I was like, "Oh man, like what time is that?" And I looked at the clock. I was like, "Oh my god, it's one twenty-three in the afternoon." I slept that late, and I get out of the out of the the bus, and I literally get pushed back into the bus because it wasn't one twenty-three p.m. It was one hundred and twenty-three degrees outside. So <laughs> I had I was like, "Holy shit!" I've never felt heat. I mean, I I lived in Jersey, you know. For a long, long time, so I grew up. I know humidity, and I know hot weather. I've been to India, fuck's sake. So I mean, like, you know, I've seen, I, I've been through hot weather. Man, 123. Nothing really prepares you for that. 
it is like, oh, good, the air's on fire. That's fabulous, you know? <laughs> it's like it's like that whole, uh, this is fine dog meme, you know, where he's just sitting in the room on fire. And it's like, yeah, this is fine. That's, that's, that's what 123 degree heat is. So we played. We, played we, get, a- we get the opposite here. We're in Wisconsin, oh, Minnesota, and it's wintertime. And, like, you walk outside and you can't breathe. Oh, yeah. like, oh dude. What do we live in a place where you can't yeah, breathe? Yeah, well, welcome to L.A. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> yeah. We had 121 two weeks ago. Wow. Fucking crazy. Yeah, no on top of the fires. So we had 121 oh, wow. and shitty air. It's wonderful. Oh my gosh. Yeah, it was awesome. So, so yeah. we play a place called Juanita's Cantina. Soulfly played a Mexican restaurant. I shit you not. And wow. all, so many of the bands I worked with at Roadrunner played Juanita's Cantina. And they love the bands and everything, but it was just really weird to be sound checking while people were sitting there with their families eating dinner. So we end up going to uh, Dallas and Houston after that. 126 degrees. I'm trying to figure out how to peel off layers of skin so I could try to have less on me, you know? And dude, we're watching like black metal kids walking around in like leather trench coats <laughs> and corpse paint. And I'm like, I, are you kidding? Yeah. Not sweating at all. <laughs> <laughs> Like I'm just I'm blinking and sweating. Like these guys are not sweating at fucking all whatsoever. And so I'm just like, holy <laughs> shit, dude. And so um so that, Dallas was actually a lot of fun. It was I mean, seeing Pantera at, at Dallas was retarded. I mean oh, dude, man. I was trying to cut through the uh, amphitheater while they were on so I could go and get some food. And this guy in one of those huge novelty cowboy hat foam hat cowboy hats just grabs me and he just screams and just threw me away like and just kept going and i was just like all right cool that was interesting i gotta get some food um but uh but houston so houston we get there and um uh 126 degrees and the venue is on racetrack blacktop so and the distance between the main stage and the second stage is literally almost a quarter mile. So if you wanted to, after Static X was done, if you wanted to go and see SoFi, you had to fucking run a, almost a quarter mile to get to the second stage on blacktop in 126 degree. Oh my gosh. So we would, we nice. would so I'm on stage and I'm, I'm getting, I was basically like the hype man for SoFi at the time. I was basically a SoFi flavor flavor. Um, because what had to do was, uh, you know, Primitive hadn't just, hadn't come out yet. So we were, you know, giving out uh, the primitive cassette samplers. And so my sure. job was to get that crowd hyped up and throw cassettes into the crowd and get them all fucking crazy. And so as we're waiting for Max to come on, we are watching people running to the second stage and then just dropping dead. Not dead, but like they just would collapse and just be done. And then like first day would just come, pick them up and take them away. And it was just people just like just so dehydrated it was insane the the guys in the front of the pit you know security guards in the front were spraying the hose into the crowd if the hose yep. if the water went more than a foot and a half out it turned to steam so nobody <laughs> got, so unless you were literally in that front row kind of area you did not get any water whatsoever and uh and max had gotten the seven year we had given him the seven years in tibet uh movie soundtrack for his birthday because apparently he wanted it so mm-hmm. Do that, um, but the, the the song he wanted to come out to was this like eight minute intro track, and so we're all sitting there like five minutes in, going, uh, "Is he coming out today?" So I, I go up, I go up to the bus, and I'm like, "Yo, dude, are you coming out? Like people are dying out there." 
And so he comes out finally and he starts to show and, and you know, crowds going crazy and everything. But you can tell that there are people in the crowd that have passed out and are just being held up by the crowd, by the density of the crowd. <laughs> and so and but people are also so dehydrated and everything that people a lot of times they're not really, you know, doing much. And it started making Max really angry. So he starts just pelting these water bottles into the crowd and they're just bouncing off the heads of people who are already pretty much passed out or just so sundazed and, and, and what's it called? Uh, like heat stroked, you know, and, and he's just, they're just bouncing off of the, their heads. And I'm just like, holy shit, dude, this is fucking insane. So, yeah, so that was Texas. In Texas, for some reason, we all decided for some odd reason, the next uh, like rest stop we go to, we're all buying knives. That was a big thing for him. <laughs> and I literally still have the knife like right here in front of me. It looks like a fucking like velociraptor claw. But I always thought I was just like, man, this is the coolest thing ever. And like 20, 20 years later, I still have this fucking thing. That was, uh, um, that was, uh, yeah, cool. I remember uh, visiting New Mexico uh, when I was, I don't know, 16, 17 or something. We, my mom lived uh, outside of LA. And, uh, you know, we, we, we drive down there just for, just for the hell of it. Right. And, uh, you know, when you're that, that I remember we bought a bunch of knives. We bought a whip. Oh I thought it was God. really cool to use a whip. I was trying to be like Indiana Jones and shit. <laughs> I got it. Okay, since you're bringing up Mexico, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta take a pause on the Ozfest for something else. Yeah. So when Let's I first worked at Century Media, we went on a company retreat, and I'm not gonna, even though it's kind of worth bashing, but I'm not gonna do that. Um, but we <laughs> went to, we went to Rosarito, Mexico, for this country company retreat. And um, it, it was, when I say it was fun, it was fun where you're like, you know, how's grandma's? Well, it was fun, I guess, I think. I don't really know. It's kind of weird. But so I go into one of the local bodegas and uh, I'm looking around, I'm looking around and I see they've got these chrome, like, you know, brass knuckles, but they were chrome hmm. with spikes okay. on the end of the knuckles. And I was like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. And I'm like, yo, how much for this? And he's like, $40. All right, that's cool. I'm good. Thanks. $30. No, I'm good. $10. Dude, I'm good. $3. And I'm like, well, $3. Like, holy shit. So I was like, all right, cool. Here you go, man. $3. And I'm like, I have this fucking, like, this weapon now. And I'm like, how how am I going to get this back in the States? You know? And so I I decided when we left, I was going to put it in the, in the, toe part of my steel toe boots and put a bunch of socks and shirts and stuff in there and maybe it'll just come up as steel toe so yeah. we're coming back over the border i'm nervous as fucking shit and uh they everybody's got to put their luggage on this conveyor belt thing and then they walk outside and you know they show the guy their, their id and then they go outside and then they get their baggage and throw it in the bus and off we go so everyone's putting their shit on i'm about to put my luggage onto this thing and the guy looks at my ID, looks at me. Mind you, this is when I first started having a mohawk, too. Looks at my ID, yep. looks at me, looks down at my ID, looks at me, and just goes, just go. And I'm like, what? And he goes, yeah, just go. And so I dude, I literally could have had a midget in my goddamn bag. And like, I, so I bypassed everybody and just put my bag on the bus. And sure enough, I got out with my goddamn chrome knuckles. And uh, the sad part of the story the truly, truly sad part of the story is that I've had those knuckles for a really long time until last year, March, some dick face asshole broke into our house uh, and took, took uh, my knuckles. And he also took my dog's ashes. So um, there's always that. So, 
he was just, he was just looking for shit. He thought he, he found my dog's ashes, thought it was something valuable, and you know, what the fuck? Yeah, it was shitty. But uh, but yeah, so but that was like when he brought up the Mexico thing and the whip, and I'm like, oh my god, I gotta tell my knuckle story. <laughs> That's pretty um, good. Because yeah, and and I, <laughs> I awesome. had them ever since. Luckily, I've never had to use them, which is a plus. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I've always taken them with me. They've always been everywhere I go, and it was just one of those things where I was like, I just I'll never forget that. Just the look on the like. Because he kind of just told me, like, with his eyes, like, just go. Like, just, you know, his eyebrows just kind of pointed in that direction. His <laughs> eyes kind of pointed in that direction. And it was just like, just, just go. And I was like, holy shit. That was my first time to Mexico, too. First and only time. So it's like, so it like he figured you probably had something, but he thought you were cool or something. Like, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Whatever you got. It's, it's just cool. like, you know, me and fucking two dozen other metalheads. Like, I don't know why. I was kind of like, all right, you're good. I'm like, really? Why me? I didn't do anything. <laughs> You know, it's not like I gave the guy like some weeders on there. Like I didn't do anything. He was just like, no, no, just go. <laughs> so, so anyway, back to Ozfest. So, um, um, so we ended up uh, going from like you know Houston, and then the, the so when you know how they do off fest dates, right? Did you guys ever have those? Yeah. Know. Okay, cool. Uh, so yeah, so in between the Ozfest dates, in order for bands to make some money, um, they would do off fest dates with uh, a big headliner and then a bunch of the smaller bands. And mm-hmm. so um, Soulfly was was the headlining band for a lot of the office dates. So we would play like Albuquerque, which was funny because it rained the day we got there, and everyone was like, uh, "Please don't come back. We don't like rain." <laughs> uh, and then we went to a place called Pocatello, Idaho. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of Pocatello, Idaho, but uh, one of one of my big lessons from Pocatello: don't eat a Taco Bell there. That's number one. <laughs> number two. Never eat. I have heard of Taco Bell sushi, shit. Too. Never eat sushi in any landlocked state. That's the other thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so uh, we go to Pocatello, and uh, apparently, I mean, dude, it was crazy. There were so many people there, and people were like coming from like eighteen hours away. Like they never get shows, and Pocatello is like their major market. Like I was just like, wow, dude, holy crap! So these people were just like, I don't even know who's playing, and I'm like, oh, all right, welcome to the show. So. What we find out is, okay, so as we're there, I'm like, dude, is it just me or there are a lot of, like, houseflies everywhere? Like, they are just buzzing around. <laughs> like, it, you would only, there were so many, you would literally think a pile of shit, like, 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 the, the Triceratops shit from Jurassic Park <laughs> was, like, right next to us. That's how many flies they were. And we're asking some of the local crew, we're like, dude, what is up with the fucking flies? And they go, oh, well, the airport that used to be that, – that's right there bought that land from the sewage company, but they didn't do anything with the sewage. Oh, my they gosh. Just built, they just built the airport runway over the sewage. So when it rains or when this happens or that happens, the sewage comes to the surface. And I was like – and he's like, yeah, and then the flies breed and blow. And I was like – that is literally the most horrific story I've ever heard in my life. I'm like, when do we leave? Please tell me we leave soon. Everybody in the crew and the band got Taco Bell except for me. Because I wasn't really <laughs> eating I wasn't eating junk food at the time. I would only eat like catering and just when we stopped somewhere, I'd just get like a protein bar or something like that. I was I kept everything very, very light. And so uh, everyone got food poisoning. Everyone. Wow. They're just like, how did you not get it? I'm like, because I'm not stupid. <laughs> you don't get Taco Bell and then have a no shitting on the bus policy. Like, that's not, that doesn't work. That's ridiculous. <laughs> you know? So, yeah. So, everyone got really yeah. sick. Um, so, we get to, um, uh, have you ever heard of the Gorge? No. Okay. No. Let me tell you about this place. It's called the Gorge in a, comp- in a city called George in the state of Washington. So, it's the Gorge in George, Washington. 
<laughs> they, they plan that way too well. Um, and it, it's imagine going to the Grand Canyon and building an amphitheater stage on the lip of the canyon. Hmm. If you get a chance to Google the gorge in George Washington, um, it is quite possibly the most beautiful place. I've ever awesome. Been. I will. I'll make sure to add some the links gorge. in the show notes for sure. Please, please, because it is the gorge is just so incredible. And when we were playing the second stage, because we were up a hill playing the second stage, you could just see everything. I mean, god damn, dude, it was just like it was like the Grand Canyon. But the weird thing was that the the main stage was down a hill, right off the edge of the canyon. I mean, like literally, like the, the stage was like ten feet from the edge of the canyon. Like it was like dangerously close, and you had to go down this huge hill to get to catering. And I was like, dude, all it takes is you like tripping. Like just you know, misstepping, rolling down the hill, and off the side you go. Oh you're like you're gone. Like, there was no fence there. It was, no, it was just kind of like this doesn't look safe at all. And so uh, what I found out was, and this is when I first found out that like people don't really care about weed, like because I'm, I'm you know being from Jersey, like you know it was like you're smoking the pot, you know, and you're like oh my god I can't smoke pot, you know, you're like you're a criminal. That that was the first time when I really realized, oh shit, I totally forgot a fucking story from Buffalo. Um, but anyway, um, so that was when I realized uh, just how much like people in Washington don't really care about weed. And uh, and so what happened was uh, I was I was walking uh, I was walking to Gatorade and these kids came up and they're like, yo, dude, we want to go and smoke Max out. Is he around? And I was like, yo, yeah, you know, Max doesn't smoke. He just he drinks some white he drinks some wine and then just kind of keeps himself early. I mean, that's kind of his thing. And they're like, oh man, I was like, and they kind of looked dejected and everything. And I was like, dude, you know what? I was like, and I always had guitar picks on me, you know, from being around Mikey. Mikey Dolan was playing playing guitar for them and everything. So it was, you know, I always had guitar picks. I'm like, yo, dude, let me give you guys some guitar picks. And you go, and they were like, oh my gosh. And they go, here, hold out your hand. And I'm like, hold out my hand. So I cut my hand and they just pour these, this weed on me. And I'm like, in my hands. And I'm like, what the fuck is that? I'm like, I don't have a bag or everything. They're like, nope, later. And they just like walked away. And I'm like, how do I get this to my bus, man? What the hell is going on? And so I literally kind of snuck past the guard, and the guard was like, literally, dude, I give a fuck. And I was like, oh, all right. All right, cool. I walked back to my bus and put it in a little container and everything. I was like, that was weird. So, yeah, so that was, like, my first experience, like, just, like, not feeling uncomfortable around, like, weed, with weed. Like, you know, people walking backstage, just right past security, just smoking joints. And I'm like, oh, well, that's kind of cool. So, okay, sorry, we got to backtrack to Buffalo. So, uh, we're yeah. in Buffalo. Uh, it's the end of the show, and after every show, I, I called my girlfriend at the time. Um, and so, I was on this, I was about to call her. I had the payphone handle in my hand, the payphone receiver, whatever. And at that point, I got to the point where people were like, Are you in the band? Like, oh, no, I'm not with the band. I'm kind of traveling with the band. You know, I kind of stopped saying that. And you just go, Yes, I'm with the band. Um, and so this guy comes up. He's like, "Dude, are you are you, with the, are you in the band?" I'm like, "Yes." And he goes, "He goes, oh, cool." He's like, "Here, man, uh, this is for you, and this is for the band." And he literally opens up his trench coat pocket, pulls out like a tomato sauce jar, opens it, and pulls out what I the only way I could describe it is like high times bud of the month, like centerfold, like kind of wheat. Like this thing was, it was like, you ever see that? Like in, in high times when they like, they, the centerfold drops out, it's just this insane looking bud just covering three pages. That's what this thing looked like. And I'm like, oh, and so, he, yeah, so he, hands, he hands me these two stems with these massive buds on it in the, in the foyer 
of the club. So people are exiting the club, and I'm standing there looking like a fucking twat, holding these two fucking huge buds in my hand. And I'm, like, completely <laughs> stunned, because I'm, like, waiting to get busted any second by somebody. And he's like, all right, cool, later. And I'm like, uh. And he goes, oh, hey, do you want the jars? And I was like, and I, I was so stunned, I was like, uh, I'm just going to say yes. Yes, yes, I don't even know what you just asked me, but I'll say yes. And he goes, all right, cool. He takes them, puts them back in the jar, gives it to me. He's like, thanks for the great show. And I'm like, shove the jar in my pocket and call my girlfriend. I'm like, I'll never believe what just happened to me. <laughs> you know, and that was really... Most of my phone calls. <laughs> I probably started. You'll never believe what was happening. Um, wow. So did you say this was like your first uh, tour that you went ever yeah, went on? this was my first tour. And and so it was, so like the first part of it was just terrifying. Like it was just, it really was. <laughs> I just didn't know where I was. I didn't know what I was doing. By the end of it, I mean, I was, it was, you know, I, here's another funny story about Oswald. So, okay. Everybody's got to get their math helmets out because I know how much everyone loved algebra when they were kids. So, yeah. So when I was out on tour, we would get boxes of thirty cassette samplers. Okay. So each box held mm-hmm. thirty cassette samplers, and then we would get a bigger box that had twenty boxes inside. Twenty boxes of thirty inside, and I had to use like ten thousand cassette samplers every shipment. You know, so I had to figure out how many street teamers got the cassette samplers, how many we were using for each show, et cetera, et cetera. So all over the boxes is just math, like X equals flow. And I'm just like, everything was just mathematical calculations. And so, uh, and, and people are like, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, dude, this is the only way to figure out how many samplers I need for each show. How many, how many teamers get samplers? How many samplers I get to have? Like I have to work all of this shit out and you can't just be like, Oh, 30, you know, like, it's like, no, you got to figure out, like, I have this many shows, I have to make 10,000 samplers last sort of equally, blah, blah, blah. So, um, after the tour, I went back to my old high school, you know, I was visiting my folks, and I, I went back to my old high school, and I walk into my algebra teacher's uh, office, and she was, like, one of those total hard asses where if she screamed at you, that wasn't so bad, it was when she was quiet that you, <laughs> you know, yeah. and she was just one of those people that was just, like, fucking retards every one of you it's like you know in, in high school and then you know 80s <laughs> she was just like you're all fucking stupid you know and we'd be like shit man and this, our, our high school began in eighth grade so we were always just like the little fucking retards like well, i don't know what to do you know and so uh i go into her office and i'm like hey miss linsky i don't know if you remember me and she doesn't even look up from what she's doing she goes came in handy didn't it and i was like, Are you fucking, <laughs> like how did you even know she goes the only time people come to visit me is when algebra comes in handy and I was like, I was like, God damn, dude. Like, she was like a hard ass to the end. I was like, do you remember me? She said, of course I remembered you. You never tried hard enough. I was like, yeah, you remember me. That was pretty much, pretty much what I did in high school. But yeah, so, so algebra became this huge weird thing for me when I was on tour. So anyway, so by the end of the tour, we ended it in Los Angeles. And uh, I got to see my, my girlfriend at the time. She flew out and everything. And uh, when I saw her coming around the fence, I like literally dropped to my knees, like fucking platoon style, because I was like, oh my god, it's over. It's fucking <laughs> over. It was seriously, it was so much hard work on these like 100 plus degree days, you know, hauling boxes back and forth. Like it was just, it was so much physical work. Like I didn't realize how much physical work it was to do what I was doing. And I didn't eat badly. You know, I didn't eat, I didn't, you know, wasn't eating shit that they were eating on the road i was eating catering and keeping it relatively healthy so i lost like 40 pounds and i didn't really <laughs> have 40 pounds to lose 
you know? So I didn't realize that I had just become super fucking lean and super fucking dark because it's the summertime and I'm outside all day long. And so my girlfriend sees me and she just kind of stops. And I don't realize, I think she's stopping for the same reason I'm so happy is that, oh my God, I get to see my boyfriend again. No, she was stopping at what a wretched looking person I look like. Because, so basically I look like a burnt matchstick. <laughs> because I was, yeah, I'm brown anyway. Like that's where the term brown Satan comes from. I'm brown anyway, you know? So you know, when I get dark, I can I can get pretty dark. But if I'm in the sun for fucking months at a time, I got really, really goddamn dark. And I was shaving my head at the time, so my hair was kind of growing in. So I literally looked like a charred matchstick, <laughs> you know. And I lost forty pounds. So I was super skinny. <laughs> and that was back when everyone was wearing junkos and shit like that. So I'm like wearing like extra large shirts and shit, and I'm like like dressing up a fucking broomstick handle, you know. And, uh, and so, like, so she sees me and she's, she doesn't say anything to me because she, she was too nice. Um, but I, I ended up losing all of the film from like that, those last like four shows. And then when I moved to Los Angeles in 20, 2002, uh, I found this random paper bag in one of the boxes and it was the Lost Ozfest film. And I was like, holy shit, I can't believe And I saw a picture of me riding uh, a mechanical bull. We had, you know, one of the carnies had a mechanical bull. And I looked and I was like, that's what I fucking look like? And she's like, <laughs> yeah, I didn't really want to say anything. And I'm like, holy shit, dude. I literally, I look like the sickliest, darkest person you'd ever seen, you know? But it's like, like, like seriously, like, all you could really see was my eyes and my teeth. That was it. <laughs> that was it. That was all you could see. And you'd just be like, there he is. Uh, but since I ate the way I ate when I was on tour, um, we went to Denny's because I was like, oh my God, finally some real fucking food. And dude, I got so sick. I got sick for days because I just hadn't eaten real, real hardcore food like that in forever. And then, uh, like three days later, I went to the Roxy out here, which is a really small club, uh, and to see a band called Lincoln Park. And um, and I was like, I was like, okay. And like a, a friend of mine was like, dude, they're gonna be the next biggest thing, blah, blah blah. And I go and I watched them, and I was like, all right, like whatever, dude. Like I've been on tour with fucking Methods of Mayhem and Shovel. <laughs> you know right. and, like slaves on dope and like you know kind of all these new metal bands like you're not really showing me anything different you know and then sure enough it's like 90 bazillion records later i'm like oh, all right well fucking work yeah. on <laughs> oh guys like i was not expecting that to happen but yeah so yeah, so, so uh, that's that is that is my Ozfest, my Ozfest odyssey right there i just gave you the whole awesome. the whole thing <laughs> no that was awesome man and, uh, and, and that's, that's awesome. actually the kind of is a good segue i know that can you believe we've only we've almost been talking for about an hour now so it's uh <laughs> but you know what it was such a blast such a blast uh, to hear those stories absolutely we can't I'm wait glad to, you guys liked yeah. it yeah it, believe me every time i think about them i'm always just like how did i make it <laughs> like, I, I, but you know what i'll tell you one thing man and, and this goes for all your listeners you guys your listeners and everything like that Prior to me going out on Ozfest, you know, I would see a tour manager or something, and and you never know, man, a tour manager, a band member, you know, you ever, you know, where you're just like, man, that guy's an asshole, fuck that guy, or like the drummer was a dick. That was when I learned you have no idea what's gonna, what's going on at the time. Yeah. You know, so when my street keepers would be like, man, the tour manager was mean to me, I'm like, dude, there was a day where one of the tour managers, um, they, they. Couldn't find their merch for the day, you know. So you have a manager, a tour manager that's freaking the fuck out. He's got man, his you know band's management, booking agent, the band, everybody's freaking out on him. 
you know, he's running around, and then suddenly, what, your guy who's like, hey, man, thanks for putting me on the list. He's like, get the fuck out of my face, asshole, you know? But that's when I really realized that, you know, uh, uh, Doc Coyle actually put it, put it really great to me the other uh, a couple of weeks ago where he said, um, you know, when you're when you're at some of these smaller areas, you know, or smaller markets, you know, um, it's it's that audience's Friday night. For you, it's just whatever. It's Tuesday or it's the fifth day on the tour or whatever. But for that audience, it is it's their Friday night. That's all that matters to them is is their experience and which is fine which is fine and that's that's exactly it but what happens is that everyone thinks that everyone else is sort of on that same page you know so it's like the band's first day and it's the tour manager's first night and, you know everybody thinks of it in that regard but that's why like when you, when you meet a band member and they're you know pissed off about something it's like all right dude he might have just literally gotten into a fight with his wife yeah. or you know management pissing him off or, or something you know something happened you know like Fuck, I've had a nickel for every we left the drummer behind this fucking story. I've heard. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. Nobody knows who the drummer is, but we gotta leave, you know. Like yeah. Yeah, it's all it's all perspective or point of view. Yeah, you don't you, you don't know from their point of view, right? Exactly, exactly. And that's that's when I learned that point of view about that. Like to really give little. tour managers kind of a wide berth, you know, to give the bands a little bit of a wide berth. Like you can't just think that Hey, I'm here. Like, rock on. What can, can I have a drink? And you know, it's like, okay, like he's he's trying to figure out why the band didn't get paid at their last show. So fuck off with your right. request. You know, so yeah. so that's kind of one of those things. So even you know, for your for your for your listeners too, you know, when you see a band, when you when you see them, or and and if they're not very nice or whatever, just gotta cut them some slack. You know, we never we never, and especially when when it comes to band members, because there's always the band member that's never really done it before. So you know, they get the, they, you know, bang the chick in Minnesota and then she decides to come to Chicago and some of these Chicago, you know, Chicago groupies want a piece of them too. And then there's like, you know, drama, you know, there's always that kind of thing that happens, you know, it's like, oh, excuse me, I'm this girl. And it's like, uh, no, you're not, you know, and then you got to like, you know, and it's like, you're like, you know, and then, you know, that's, that's always cause for some bullshit to happen. So, but that's, that's kind of it though. It's like, I always tell people that just got to give people, you know, say excuse me. They don't owe you anything. Just say excuse me. Be polite. You know, yep. if they're having a rough day, they're gonna be like, "Yo, I can't talk to you right now. I can't take a picture right now." Just be like, "All right, cool, man. That's fine." You know, but when you get people like, ah, "What? You're you're famous, so you can't take a picture?" It's like, "Uh, yeah, maybe his dad died." Yeah. <laughs> you know, like you don't right. fucking know. You know, so yeah. uh, that 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 tour, that tour really taught me taught me that kind of humility, you know, that you just, I uh, actually, here's, here's uh, one last story. I hope uh, from Oshkosh. Uh we had just gotten to Indianapolis and we had five days straight of shows, no shower, which is something I had never really experienced. And when somebody hands you a thing of wet naps and they're like here and you're like, and what do I do with this? Dude. So you guys were ripe, huh? <laughs> we, yeah. I mean, you know, we were keeping ourselves clean, you know, we sure. were keeping ourselves clean and everything, but you know, and, and especially when, when venues ha- at Ozfest have a shower or something like that, you know, you got to go through the fucking main stage there, those bands, their roadies, their techs, and then you get to the second stage and then maybe you can get a shower, you know, it was that kind of thing. But it was the first day that in five days that we had had a hotel. Otherwise we were just sleeping on the bus. And, um, and so, Everybody used to think I look like Marcelo, the bass player from Soulfly. Bald, bald brown guy, go figure. Um, you know, <laughs> bald brown guy with a goatee, go figure. You know, but I got to a point where I, I, you know, I would just tell people, yeah, sure, I'm him. You know, they were excited, so 
I take a picture of them, you know, like, you, you know, you just want to make people's day in a way, you know, but, uh, but not having a shower for like five days. I was like, I was like, these kids came up to me with a poster of Soulfly and a marker. And they're like, can you sign this, Marcia? And I, at first I was like, dude, I really need a shower. Really, really need a shower. And they just had the way like totally heads hung low kind of thing. And I was like, no, you know what? Come here, dude. Come here, come here. Like, and I just signed Marcella's name on the posters. I took a picture of them and I gave them some pics. And they were like over them. You know, but it was it was one of those things where I was just kind of like, man, like, yeah, like they had no idea what I just dealt with. I what am I gonna, dude? I've been on the road five days straight. I've had a shot. You know, like, really? That's what I gotta lay on these kids? You know, <laughs> like, and then when I was fourteen, my dad didn't come to my baseball game. And then, you know, like, you know what am I gonna go into that? So I was just like, you know what? Sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta kind of put it away just for a second and and just make make that experience for them happen. I mean, these kids in Minneapolis, in Indianapolis. You know, like if it means that they, they, they feel like they met somebody and they had that experience and it's an experience they can kind of keep with them forever. Fucking rock on, man. You know, yeah. that's what it takes. So, but yeah, those Ozfest, uh, that Ozfest was, wow, what a time. <laughs> Very nice. So maybe we can fast forward now hmm. to what you're doing now. Like obviously not this year, but. <laughs> right. You, not uh, a damn thing. Work. <laughs> yep. Like, um. What does War Machine sure. do? I know you go to a lot of like conventions yeah, and stuff. Yeah, yeah. All sorts of merchandise. You have. Like, do you go to Nam and stuff? Nam, or Nam. Nam. <laughs> we always treat it like it's like doing a tour in Nam, but yeah, it's Nam. Um, but and it's and it's sad that it's not happening next year. It's like the first year ever. It's so many first years yeah. for all the stuff to not happen. Um, but yep. um, uh, so basically, I was doing street marketing at Roadrunner, and uh, I was like, you know what? I'm I'm tired of working for other people. I'm going to do the street thing on my own. Street team thing on my own. And so the name was always going to be War Machine Marketing because I wanted to have soldiers and I wanted to, you know, there was a whole thing, whole theme thing going on. Um, but then yeah. uh, um, once, like I said before, you know, when the recession hit, I was like, all right, cool, I'll, I'll start making merch. And so that's when kind of War Machine Marketing sort of really exploded and, and just took off. So what we do is we make branded merch for anybody. So if you have an event where you want to promote your band, brand, whatever, we make that merch. If you want to make T-shirts to sell or any kind of merchandising that has your logo on it, we make that, you know, and we deal with over, over 2 Thank million you. items and we could make custom weird shit too. I did, I made a straight jacket from Motley Crue, an embroidered straight jacket from Motley Crue. Cool. We did a, a fucking um, a mini magic eight ball keychain for Comedy, uh, Comedy Central or Live Nation rather for their comedy tour. You know, so we can make okay. some really goofy, weird shit, but we can also do regular, you know, if you want lighters or, you know, some, you know, your band's rolling papers or something like that, you know, we can do all <laughs> that sort of stuff. Um, and then well, I might hit you up for some weird shit. Yeah. Sometime. Yeah. I mean, uh, well, you saw the guitars, <laughs> the Pantera guitars, we do those too. So yeah. if you have a band and you want to, you know, do your guitar or guitar with your artwork on it or something like that, we can absolutely do that, you know, and it's not even like you have to be some, you know, you don't have to be Pantera to get it done. It's like the minimum is only like 50 pieces. So it's not, you know. Yep, and those poker chips you yeah. have are pretty Oh, awesome yeah. Too. So speaking of the poker chips, yeah. So every year for Dime Bash, we make a new poker chip, you know. So, yep. so yeah. So I wanted to offer something to your to your listeners. Yeah, I, I mean, we were discussing uh, other, uh, other stuff, but I, I thought I'd uh, add a little something to it. So so every year we make poker chips for, um, for Dime Bash. And um, last year we actually made two different ones. We made a, a black one and a rare red one. 
who only made yeah, like, like, hundred of those or something like that. And and for those for those uh, for Dimebacks, we always make three hundred and thirty three. That's our that's our number. Yep. It's our number. It's our <laughs> number. Whatever. Um, but one of the one of the really cool things we got to do was um, for Lemmy's uh, final birthday party at the Whiskey and Go Go in Hollywood. Uh, only dude, I think he died two weeks later. A week and a half later after that party. Wow. Um okay. we made we made plates that had ace of spades on it, we made napkins, and we made these really cool poker chips uh for the for the event. And I gave I gave them most of the poker chips, but I thought they were just gonna give them out like when you show up at the at the at the event, you know, it's like, okay, you know, uh, yep. Tim Smith plus one, okay, here's your ticket, and here's your two poker chips, enjoy, you know. Uh instead what they did was yep. they just poured them out on the table. So it's like anybody could have just done a big sweep and just, you know, poured them into their bag. And so I never know how many people got one or how many people didn't, you know. So sure. what I did was, like I said, I kept I kept a stack for myself. Uh, and sometimes I'll meet a, a Lemmy fan randomly. I met a girl at a Starbucks. She had the war pig, like, literally tattooed on her entire goddamn calf. I was like, okay, I know, I know who needs to get one. You know, uh, I've gotten to give one to, like, Dimebag. Oh, excuse me, not Dimebag. Um, uh, uh, Max and Igor. I've gotten to give one to Dave Grohl. I've gotten to give one to a lot of people, you know, who are Motorhead fans, awesome. which, is, which is cool. And so I always, I always yeah. make sure I keep, you know, I'm, I'm running, definitely running out of them, that's for sure. But uh, I, want, mm-hmm. I want to give that and... When uh, when we did the guitars for Comic Con, we made a poker chip for uh, a dime bag and a mini uh, poker chip. That's awesome. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I did you get one of those? I hope you did, Jim. You did. I'm, I'm super upset. Yeah, oh, you sent uh, Vinny and Dime one with a okay, guitar. Sure. So yeah, I've got. I didn't send it to you. I'm gonna be really pissed at myself. Um, but, <laughs> so there's gonna be the Lenny poker chip, the Vinny Paul, Vinny and Dime poker chip, and then the three different poker chips we've done for um, for Dime Bash. So you're talking five poker chips for your list for a, a really lucky listener, in my opinion. Um, but I, it's got to be. I, I want to do like kind of a trivia thing, you know? Like it's sure. going to be a question that's you know, and it's not going to be like, oh, who sings walk? Like fuck out of here, you know? Um, <laughs> so I want I, I want to come up with a really good question. So before we end this, I think we should come up with a good question. Unless you have a question that you want to that you think is is a good one, um, you know. I'm not really known as a trivia guy. <laughs> Are you always on the trivia guy? He is the sarcasm? trivia guy. <laughs> okay, I'm like, all right. Uh, like, somehow I think that's sarcasm. Yeah. Uh, I made a joke. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of it, dude. Because sometimes, seriously, as much as I love the trivia guy and I love listening to it, some of those some of those questions are so softball. I'm like, oh god, softball, they're fucking t-ball. I'm like, come on, dude. Yeah, and sometimes people don't get them too. No, that's what other times it's super hard. So it's, like, it's like I'm raging enough listening to liquid metal in my car, and then like somebody's like, you know, uh, you know, like who sings walk uh, Metallica? And you're like, come on, you know, like screaming at the prices, right? You know, like I'm like, Jesus Christ. So, uh, yeah, like, so. I do want to come up with, with, a, with a cool. Um, All right, so a question, top of my head, uh, answer me this. A sphincter says what? <laughs> what? No. Okay. Uh, let's see. I'm looking at a Metallica tapestry on my wall right now, and I'm thinking, what does Kurt Hammett have on his right hand when he plays live? All right. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. yeah I, I have. I have. I have another question because I'm looking at a. Uh, I have an odorous as uh, as the Virgin Mary uh, religious candle at my desk. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and and I'm a huge horror fan. So and and with any luck, I'll actually be picking up a, a, a 
Baltax new guitar from Schechter. Nice. I'm really excited about. Um, hopefully next week. Um, so I'm thinking, uh, name three more side projects. Okay. Oof. So what we'll do is um, feel free to email us your answers. And the, the one that gets both of those answers correct wins these awesome Lemmy Vinny Diamond Dime Bash poker chips. Um, yeah. Thank you to Ro Coley for that. That's pretty awesome. And again, yes. So, uh, yeah. So email us at the thrash report at gmail.com with your answers. And the first one to get both of those, right. Um, yeah. You win, win those poker chips. That's pretty awesome, man. Don't stack it. I'm right oh, yeah. Poker chips, man. That's super, super cool. Very cool. Super cool. Yeah. That's very cool. Thanks. Yeah, no again, you know, I, I'll tell you a story real quick about, yeah. about those, those guitars, uh, uh, Tim and Chris. It, yeah. You know, people were like, you know, what stuff was not like, we have been working on a deal to make that happen since January of that year. And Vinny Paul died one week before we got our guitars. Oh. So one of my big things was I just wanted to, I wanted him to hold one, me in the picture, him giving the thumbs up. I was all, it was just like, let's just make that happen. Died one week beforehand. And, but, oh, so yes, yeah, so I got a lot of email. People tell me I was profiting off of his death and all those kind of things. It was just, it was shitty. But, one of the things that I, I really want people to remember about about the, the reason I did these guitars, because we did the, the cover of Vulgar, the cover of Far Beyond Driven, the cover of the Weeks on the Trend Kill, and then two mm-hmm. two other ones, for one for uh, the Live at Donington, uh, uh, Far Beyond Bootleg, and the uh, Weeks on the Trend Kill demo that it was with the black and white cover. And the yeah. reason why I did those is because, you know, over the last couple of years, just without getting into politics and I don't want to get into politics whatsoever. Um, but one of the things I was thinking about was just how back when we used to go and see a band like Pantera, shit like that didn't matter. Mm-hmm. You know, right. you know, you would go to a Pantera show and you, you know, even if you were a black fan, brown fan, Asian fan, whatever it is, man, if you saw somebody wearing a Pantera shirt and it had, you know, the Confederate flag, you didn't think anything of it. You know, it, it was just part of the landscape, you know, and it's not that we're ignoring racism or anything like that. It was just that it was just just wasn't part of it. We were all there for the same fucking reason. You know, yep. nobody, you know, when you're right before, you know, you know, you hear fucking, you know, we're taking over this town and the curtains come down or whatever. You know, nobody was like <laughs> next to you, like, so you vote for Walter Mondale? You know, like, like it wasn't even a thing for us to even imagine to do something like that. Even after 9-11, when people were very pro-Bush, anti-Bush, whatever, you know, we went and saw Pantera. It's not like, you know, you know, oh, you, you wanted Bush? Fuck you, asshole. You know, like, it was never that. So the, those, the, the right. point of those guitars was to really kind of harken back to a time when that shit didn't matter. All that mattered was the metal. Yep. All that mattered was the music. All that mattered was being there with your friends, was, was being in the pit, you know, crowd surfing, you know, and just having a fucking metal life. family. Yeah, that's what it was about. That's exactly what it was about, you know. So that that's why I, you know, I have these guitars as you can imagine in my office too. And I look at them, and there's such a, you know, even beyond it being just such a crazy time and the music and all that, you know, blah, 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 it's like there's just a weird purity to it, you know. There, there's there's yep. a really cool purity to it. There's a really cool that feeling where nothing else matters, but when I can go absolutely apeshit during fucking hostile. Like that's all that matters. <laughs> like my grades don't matter. My homework doesn't matter. You know how I'm gonna get home is not even an idea in my head right now. I just yep. I, I've got to be ready for when that song fucking 
when that song slams in, or for me it was also strength beyond strength. When that song, when those songs come in, like you gotta be ready, and that's all I care about, you know. And all of the yep. other shit can wait. All of it can wait. You know, whether it's you know drama with my folks, drama at school, jobs, whatever, all of that fucking wait. You know, so I, I really just want people to. I hope people can get back to that mentality. You know, instead of instead of kind of what's driving people lately. You know, whether you're yeah. one way or the other, I don't really fucking care to be honest. With yep. You know? Well, um, I'm glad you brought that up, and it's a great thing to remember. And I think that's a good place to end it on a positive note. Let's all just stick with the metal fan. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fucking go crank some fucking Pantera. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. I've been on a huge longest down kick lately, man. Uh, I I didn't give down to enough of a, of a of a try, and now I'm listening to it again and reliving it and just being like, fuck, I missed out on this. And so, yeah, go listen to Down. Go listen to Pantera. I mean, Minor is awesome. I got to see them live, and they were phenomenal, but that will make you depressed. So stick with the good stuff. <laughs> the stuff that kind of makes you feel positive. You know? That's right. You don't have to go all into, you know, good friends in a bottle pills necessarily. But, you know, I thought I was slaughtered. I thought a little run broken. You know, yesterday don't mean shit. Throw out some good stuff like that. That's and, awesome. Uh, fucking yep. thrash the fuck out. That's awesome. That really yep. live forever. That's awesome. Very, very yeah. cool. We, we want to thank Real Coley for being our guest this week. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, thank you for all the all yeah. the stories. It's really great to, to have you on. I want to thank all the listeners out there. Make sure you go to leave a review wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and also feel free to reach out to us. You can reach us at thethrashreport at gmail.com. And don't forget, go ahead and send us the uh, the the answers to those questions, and you'll get some some uh, poker chips from War Machine Marketing. Oh, yeah. Super limited, also, man. Super, super limited. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. And you can always... Thanks again. Yeah, you can always reach out to us on Facebook at Thrash Report. We have our page there and on social at Thrash Report on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you, everyone, and have a great rest of your day. See you next time on the Thrash Report. Later, y'all. All right. Thank you.